If you're planning on starting a career as a self-employed musician, where can you go for funding help? Also, how do you motivate yourself to produce great creative output and plan your approach to complete it? Let's find out. Welcome to Half Hour Mentor. My name is Ian Cleverdon and welcome to my audio podcast series designed to help anyone who's looking for inspiration to develop their creative skills, whether professionally or as a hobbyist. Just like series two, this one focuses on the various aspects of the creative arts. I'll be interviewing musicians, songwriters, authors and actors, but also speaking to some in the directing and strategic management fields of this wide ranging industry. All of my guests have been carefully chosen, as each one of them has an interesting backstory from which we can all learn. If you're new to the series, please follow it on whichever streaming platform you use, and go back and have a listen to the rich archive of around 30 interviews and compilations. This series is completely independent and ad-free, so if you like what you hear, and you'd like to help cover some of the production costs such as tea and Kit Kats, please feel free to donate what you can via the Corona Sound website. A link can be found in the show notes. And so to today's guest, Iona Lane. Iona is a folk singer, songwriter and storyteller. Her songwriting is heavily inspired by the wonder of the natural world. And as you'll hear from the interview, her upbringing in the British countryside has had a huge influence on her writing. She released a debut album, Halival, in 2022. Its release having been delayed due to that little thing called a Covid lockdown. The album has received great critical acclaim, with Folk Radio UK including it in its top folk albums list for that year. She's received praise and support from well-established folk artists such as Kareem Polwart and Julie Fowlis, and in 2020 was selected by Kareem to receive the Taran Guitars Young Players Bursary, which resulted in her having a guitar made especially for her by Taran Guitars Luthier, Rory Dowling. A real honour. You can see lots of examples of her playing that online. If you're not familiar with Iona's work, I've curated a short Spotify playlist of some of her songs. The link can be found in the show notes. I met up with Iona recently in a studio space in Glasgow to chat about her career, her approach to writing and how she makes a living as a professional musician. Iona Lane, welcome to Half Hour Mentor. Hello, how are you doing Ian? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. Well, it's uh, lovely to have a welcome into your studio yeah. here in Glasgow. In rainy Glasgow. <laughs> yes, I got soaked on the way here, but that's another story. It's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me start off by asking you a question I ask all my guests is, what was the first job that you ever wanted to do when you were growing up? Yeah, that's a good question, actually, and one that doesn't get asked very much in interviews. Um, I remember being, you know, maybe seven or eight, and I was just obsessed with the planets and the solar system. So, of course, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a, <laughs> a little kid. Bo- both my parents are scientists, so... Um, yeah, I remember like my dad buying me a telescope for one of my birthdays or Christmases or something and then, yeah, just being obsessed with the planets, basically. Did they want you to go into science with them both being scientists? Yeah, I've, I've, I think they did. There was always definitely like a leaning towards that, but then I definitely have an interest in science and I definitely have an interest in that. For my A-levels, like I studied chemistry, maths, music, And I was doing physics as well, but I dropped that after AS. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so and I'd sort of always had the idea through school that I'd I'd probably go and study chemistry or something um, chemistry aligned, but 
didn't happen, that changed. <laughs> <laughs> but this, you know, music has a scientific element to it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I like really enjoy stories and the tales that have science links or have an element of understanding sort of underneath, mm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that certainly comes across in some of your songs. I would say that un- there's an underlying theme which I'm beginning to get now. You just asking <laughs> that question. But what was your first engagement with music then? What turned you into the first step into music? Yeah, so my dad played classical violin until he was about 18 or 19. And I think there was always an encouragement in the house growing up. Not, you know, my parents weren't necessarily playing music in the house, but you know, there was always the encouragement of, oh, would you, you know, would you like music lessons? Um, so I did violin lessons until about the age of nine, and I got grade one distinction, <laughs> which is uh, the height of my my fiddle playing. Um, I thought you were going to say the height of your musical career. <laughs> uh, yeah, that as well. <laughs> it's something that I lean on a lot. My grade one violin. <laughs> um, I think when I, I went to secondary, uh, I started. Um, having classical singing lessons um, yeah and then took all my grades basically up to grade 8 um, in classical singing so obviously that was a, the start of it all and getting the focus that you needed yeah definitely and I mean I don't think I necessarily enjoyed having classical singing lessons but then now in my practice like I rely on all of those techniques all the time that I've learned and in hindsight they were probably like the most important lessons that I've had in training my voice, realistically. Um, But then, yeah, I sort of guess moving from learning classical pieces and having classical technique, I took GCSE music and my music teacher, a lovely human called Mr. Paul Swannell, or Mr. Swannell, as (laughs) I called him back then. You can never call him by the Christian (laughs) names and teachers, can you? (laughs) Um, Yeah, he, he was great and he said to me during studying GCSE, he was sort of like, oh, have you, you know, have you thought about learning an instrument to accompany yourself? For which I hadn't. So he was like, oh, why don't you play like guitar or piano? Like sort of start, you know, picking up that as a skill. Because a big part of studying music through GCSE and A-level is composition as well. Mm. And just being a singer, and it just made sense to sort of tackle that myself. And I remember saying to my parents at the time, I was like, oh, I'd really like to play guitar. And I think seeing as I'd given up on the violin, I probably wasn't doing as much practice as I should be doing with my singing. They sort of said, well, we've got a ukulele in the house, so, you know, teach yourself that for six months and then prove that you are going to commit to it and then we'll think about buying you a guitar so Mr Swannell also he started feeding me Joni Mitchell and Nick Drake and John Martin and that kind of stuff and that was sort of the real trickle down of folky influences I guess so yeah I have a lot to thank yeah my my teachers at school basically my music teacher at school yeah without his his influence and his ear for hearing that I have sort of a folkiness in my voice I probably wouldn't be doing music to be honest. And um, when I think about sort of music and the arts being cut within the school curriculum as well, that's something that I think is quite upsetting because music teachers are the people who give students an opportunity to discover what kind of music they want to make and whether that's a career they want to go down, basically. It's a common theme in the podcasts and the interviews that I've done, actually, where teachers have had so much of an influence, and not just on music, so English teachers for writers, for example. Um, It's a big thing. So great shout-out to all the teachers listening. Yeah. Uh, so you took the guitar up at a fairly late age then? Yeah, I was maybe 
15, 16, okay. I guess, um, when I started playing guitar. And yeah, I sort of self-taught myself through YouTube for a bit. And I mainly just learned pop songs <laughs> on the guitar, to be honest, and taught myself chords and that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I started having guitar lessons with a wonderful guitarist called Paul Jones at um, a place called The Music Spot in Lancaster. Paul had a very folky style and I sort of went to him because I had an interest in learning about different tunings, different guitar tunings, and he was the person to go for that. So so you started playing around with guitar tunings very early on by the sounds of it then? Yeah, maybe a year in to Tosh. learning guitar. I mean, like, yeah, like Joni Mitchell plays in the most crazy tunings yeah. and just learning about Daggad and Open G and all that kind of stuff. It was just a sound that I was sort of drawn to and knew I wanted to explore, but didn't necessarily have the resources through what I could find on the internet at that time. Right. For some listeners who are perhaps thinking, what the heck are they talking about with guitar tunings, of course, there's a sort of standard tuning that guitars, you know, are given to us when we start playing. But of course, then there's lots of different experiments uh, that go on. So what was the first step you took in wanting to be a professional musician then? It's, that's kind of difficult to answer because I think a lot of stuff just happened quite organically or like my, my process of going to study chemistry, moving into going to be a musician just felt very natural and felt very organic in that sense. Mm. Um, I mean, I started playing open mics and gigging and that kind of stuff really early because I saw those things as like little deadlines to like, oh, I want to learn that cover by then or, right. you know. I want to finish writing this terrible, terrible song by then. <laughs> um, so I started playing gigs through sick form. And then I guess the sort of decision to go and study music was probably the first conscious thing in the sense of me being like, OK, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to shape my career around. Um, so, yeah, sort of deciding to apply to study music and make that step was sort of a real step up for me I think. Great so where did you go on from a studying point of view then how did you develop your musical skills? Through studies. Through studies. Yeah so I studied at Leeds Conservatoire on the folk course there um, so I had three years there and I had singing lessons with the wonderful Nancy Kerr and oh. Bryony Griffith who are two wonderful humans and excellent teachers and I learned a lot from them and I think Having those, having those three years, essentially for me to work out what kind of musician I want to be, what kind of music do I want to write, you know, what's my thing, what's, what do I want to say, what, who do I want to be, I guess. And it's, it's, quite, it's kind of like finding myself as a musician. I say that with quote marks around it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yes, air, qu air quotes were being done there, just around the <laughs> microphone there, folks. <laughs> but yeah, just having that time to sort of experiment and, and learn lots about folk music and other musics and learn how I fit into that. But also at the same time as studying, I was also doing quite a lot of gigging and I was trying to do as much actually in the industry at the same time as doing my degree. Because um, I think often a lot of people who are and I'm not necessarily saying that the way I did it was the best way to do it because parts of my degree maybe suffered a bit because I was out gigging. But I think there is an element of it's like really important to as well as studying the music, you're like actively trying to like pursue 
being in the industry at the same time and they have to work symbiotically otherwise makes it a bit more like an apprenticeship then doesn't it because you know an apprenticeship is not just theoretical study it's the practice as well yeah definitely definitely it was great in the sense that you know I could go and play some gigs at the weekend and then I could come back to uni and we could have a conversation with the tutors and the other students in my class and be like oh this this happened at the gig this is how I dealt with it was that the best way or was that you know how would you deal with it as someone who is established and as a touring musician you know right, to the right. tutors so it was there was quite a lot of like you say almost like apprentice-esque apprenticeship-esque style learning if you're doing working in the industry and doing your degree at the same time yeah you could take that into the tutorial room and chat about it with your, your tutors and with your mentors effectively yeah exactly yeah. exactly oh fantastic that's great so when was that what years were you studying yeah so i studied um 2017 to 2020 ah, um right. which meant i graduated during covid oh. which was uh yeah, not the ideal time to. So, so leading up to COVID, if people listening to this in decades to come, March 2020 was when it all hit us and gigs finished and we all went into lockdown. And that's just you coming to the end of your degree. Yeah. So just prior to that, then, what were your ambitions in terms of I'm going to be professional or, you know, let's say January, February time? It must have been quite an exciting time to think I'm going to get out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was quite daunting as well actually um i think i you know i was preparing myself to be fully freelance or at least partly freelance and partly self-employed um my my sort of grand plan for leaving uni was i was saving up to buy a narrow boat so that uh, <laughs> i'd live on a narrow boat so that my living costs would be much less and also anyone that knows me knows i love the canals and i love narrow boats yeah and i was going to do as you know as many gigs as I could and try and sort of work my way in the scene and I was also building up to the creation of my debut album and that was sort of a big thing that I knew I wanted to do within the first couple of years of leaving uni was right I'm going to make my album and that's going to be the main focus Mm. I guess um but yeah Covid hit so none of that really happened right so how did that impact you from a perhaps from a mental point of view, Mm. your mental health. Yeah, yeah. Um, So COVID hit in the last, we had two teaching weeks left. Um, So we had two teaching weeks online, which was, it was fine. Um, I'm very grateful that that's the only teaching online I had because I know a lot of students in the years following and have had a lot of a lot of online learning and that's really difficult for something like music. Mm. Like having a one-to-one lesson on your instrument with someone who's not in the same room as you is really difficult. Mm. The main thing for me was that I couldn't have my final recital, which is when you're doing a performance degree, that's that's essentially the equivalent of your dissertation. That's your main project that you're working towards. And I'd been like working on arrangements and working with musicians and developing my band since October prior. Mm. So I'd sort of had a a big grand plan and essentially none of that could happen. so yeah, I think I sat on a Nintendo Switch for like eight days straight and <laughs> didn't speak to anyone. <laughs> and I played Stardew Valley for like eight days and I built an amazing farm. <laughs> and like that was how I dealt with it, to be brutally honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I-, I was living in a house with some lovely people as well. So that was really nice, um, who 
yeah, were all in the years above me. Um, so they'd left uni by that point. Mm. I was in a really supportive house, which was really lovely. And um, we did lots of cooking together and that kind of stuff. Um, but also I think early lockdown, you know, everyone had that idea was this is going to be over in a month or so mm. and um yeah we sort of partied for the first month and then <laughs> you know realized it was going to be a bit longer so I kind of took it as an opportunity to try and write some more music yeah. and I'd sort of planned to record my album uh, I think like autumn 2020 and then that ended up getting pushed because of covid and this was your debut album yeah, yeah yeah but then also that gave me more time to write music mm-hmm. some of my what i would say my better songs and my most listened to songs came during that time when the recording mm-hmm. got pushed so like that was really interesting because i think that album would probably sound very different and have different material on it if we'd have recorded it like six months prior why do you think those songs resonated more that were mm. written around that time? I'm not sure. I think I was still... I mean, I am still developing as a songwriter. I'm still, like, working that out. And I think maybe in those six months, I felt like I really sat down as a songwriter. Like, everything felt a bit more rooted. There was a sort of theme starting to appear from the album, and it was like, OK, what else does this need? Or what what sort of fits in with the rest of the repertoire? And I guess as well, during lockdown, I had, like, a commission and a songwriting competition that had like a deadline to it and they were the two things that I was like cool I will have new songs out of these and there's an external deadline that's going to make me do them (laughs) so yeah fantastic so we've come out of lockdown and you know we're all into this sort of big wide world that we can socialize again now how did the live performance side go for you and how did you kickstart that yeah so I mean I guess obviously during lockdown and sort of coming out of lockdown my music maybe wasn't as established as I am now and my album came out spring 2022 so it was fairly after lockdown but stuff was still we're still sort of like working things out I feel um so yeah I guess this year um in sort of spring into summer I sort of did my first big big tour which yeah I spent quite a long time booking best part of a year ago and so yeah and that's been really nice to sort of tour the material and also tour a lot of new stuff that I've written since right what do you most enjoy about touring I I love that moment after a gig when someone comes up to you and they say oh that that song really resonated with me because x or that song took me back to that place that you were singing about and I have wonderful childish memories from that place and like moments like that where I feel like the audience members are getting such individual experiences out of my music that's that means a lot that's great and I I just want to put a shout out to audience listeners you know those who go to a concert and you listen to somebody and they've got the opportunity to go and speak to the musician is go and speak to them and tell them exactly that because it does mean so much yeah you know don't be shy you know if it's really resonated and if there's a tear being pouring down your cheek just go and share it with the musician because it it means the world definitely definitely let's talk about songwriting then so how do you approach it big big open question (laughs) so what's your routine do you have a routine yeah uh, well you know what I actually don't really have a routine with songwriting which is something I feel like I should change because I don't think I necessarily write as much as I'd like to Mm. like I find 
sitting down to write is actually probably like the hardest bit of being a musician for me mm-hmm. um, because I think it has to be right when I do it and I know I love a lot of songwriters who can sit down and spend you know five days a week nine to five writing songs mm-hmm. and they work really well out of that but I just know I know I wouldn't be able to do that (laughs) is it more Um, that when inspiration strikes then yeah I think I have to find the right thing that I want to talk about the right thing that the right story the right feeling the right emotion and scenario that I want to portray in the song Mm. and if I haven't found that thing then for me I don't feel like I want to write necessarily Mm. maybe I am alone in this but maybe there are songwriters out there who have like the similar response and or a similar feeling to that um there are in ones that i've spoken <laughs> to certainly yeah but, I, yeah <laughs> but i think one thing i spot with your music because i've followed it since your very first eps uh, oh, that you've got, is that there's a very much a, um, a feel of the countryside you know that you seem to be inspired by i mean think of shehallian for example the scottish mountain um even your social media you know you when you're posting you're, you're normally <laughs> on an island somewhere in the scottish you know scottish islands yeah so yeah i mean that's definitely come from my parents so yeah i grew up really rurally in the yorkshire dales which was i mean i don't think i really enjoyed it at the time but in hindsight i'm like oh yes amazing and i love going back to visit my parents and um, because they're in a in a beautiful spot but also my mum's a, a geologist so she studies rocks and right. she takes a lot of like field courses up to mull quite a lot and up to the northwest coast of the highlands so we spent a lot of like family holidays up in the northwest of Scotland and going hill walking, which I hated as a kid. <laughs> um, so that my parents could, like, well, my mum could go and see, you know, the Lewisian Nice and stuff. So that was sort of quite influential, I think. Um, well, I'm, could I say as a listener, I think it has because there's loads of space in your arrangements and the music that you write. So it does, it just portrays islands and empty countryside to me. That's just what I hear. Uh, yeah, that's good. I'm glad because that's something that I I really enjoy writing about. Oh, great. On the writing front, you seem to be doing a lot more collaborative work and, and working and writing with others now. So how do you approach that? And, you know, how different is it to when you're working by yourself? Yeah, I mean, I find co-writing probably easier than writing by myself in a way because there's someone to hold me accountable in that moment I feel like when I sit down by myself to write I can often just spend that time doing a lot of research and like deep diving into about a certain place or a certain story or and which is obviously like important to the songwriting and important to the the building of the the piece but also then for me trying to translate what I want to say through that onto guitar and then into lyrics that can take me a very long time like Mm. a very long time whereas if I'm sat in a session with someone and they're saying okay you've got this story and you've just spoken at me for 40 minutes about this concept that you want to write about let's like get it into something that person is holding me accountable in that moment and is saying right let's write some lyrics let's what what kind of chords are we thinking? So That's yeah, a bit like being at the conservatoire again, isn't it? Where you've been given a deadline. <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's also nice to have 
that sort of influence of someone who maybe hasn't gone down a rabbit hole of research about that topic Mm. Um, and for them to just have like fresh ears on it and then you know they might come up with something and you're like no no that's not right that doesn't fit with the story or Mm. whatever Um, but yeah having been able to have that conversation between a couple of people I think makes for a really nice song yeah that's great There'll be a lot of um, listeners, I'm hoping, that will be thinking, "Okay, I'd love to go professional, but I couldn't afford to do it. Um, You know, how would you go about it? Mm. How have you gone about it? Because, you you know, that uh, relatively early stage of it all. So how do you deal with funding and raising funds as a professional musician? Yeah, so, well, I mean, I worked part time, essentially, alongside doing music for quite a while. But then, I mean, funding wise, to help with recordings and touring and all those extra costs that are actually quite daunting and quite you know there's that's it costs a lot of money to try and sort of make an album or record music Mm. so yeah like i i've had a couple of batches of funding from help musicians uk um who are a charity who support musicians um through funding but also they offer a lot of well-being services as well and advice and they're great if you've not come across them and you're a musician, go and go and check them out. Um, so yeah, they gave me some money towards the recording of my album, which was amazing. And they've also given myself and Katie Spencer, who you've had on the podcast previously. Yes, last series. Um, yeah. They gave us some money that we're using to help with the costs of touring in Europe, which we're doing in November. Excellent. Um, so yeah, they're great. And they've made things happen for me that haven't necessarily been possible there's also if you're in england there's arts council who have two main strands of funding i guess so there's project grants um and there's also developing your creative practice so when i was living in england i've had the developing your creative practice funding which is essentially you apply for a pot of money that you can use in whatever way you need to help your creative practice to help your development so for me I was paying myself time to like be creative and to have that sort of time that space to develop what's Um, the application process like for these things you know how do you go about it yeah they're they're all slightly different so help musicians has a really simple form that you fill in and they ask you various questions about your project and what you're doing and you have to present a budget and you know present a proposal essentially Mm business plan I suppose really isn't it for the project you're doing yeah yeah it is and that can seem like a lot of work but also I think creating that proposal and creating a budget for your project and all that kind of stuff it actually just helps the whole thing sort of cement itself and Mm. become more realistic and for you as a as a creative it sort of helps you see actually how it's all going to work because I think until you sort of go through that process of essentially like putting together a business plan for the project or the you know the tour that you're going to do you know maybe you don't have all the facts and figures at that point and it sort of fills in all the gaps and sort of helps bring everything together yeah it probably helps focus the mind i suppose what am i really doing this for yeah um, and, and put put it through uh, absolutely and um, help musicians also um, just to give a call out for them they've got a, a mentorship scheme that they offer that they run with the ivers academy mm-hmm. as well uh, there'll be a link in the show notes uh, that i'll put in for that but Amazing. Um, they're, they're all very very helpful yeah and as well if you have questions about your application or whatever they're super speedy at getting back to you and the team there's really nice and if you're funding successful as well they also offer a series of business advice sessions alongside the funding so it's they don't just sort of give you the money and then it's like right off you go mm. 
um, they're there to support you and you get a series of advice sessions and so yeah help musicians are great I love them (laughs) (laughs) excellent great shout out to them marvellous so you mentioned about working part-time as well so are you still working part-time sort of so so during uh, covid I had two part-time jobs. I was working two days a week in a bakery and two days a week in a spice shop in Leeds Market, which was great, and they were lovely jobs to have, but obviously not music-related whatsoever. (laughs) Um, And then I sort of gradually sort of moved out of those because I knew I was sort of getting busier with gigs and busier with work through music. Yeah, and the main reason I sort of jumped ship from them entirely was I was offered a job at Hudson Records, um, which was fully freelance, basically working on campaign management and work from home, remote working, can essentially set my own hours and all that stuff. So worked really well alongside being on the road and like, yeah. campaign management for other artists? Yeah, for for their artists. So yeah, and that was great. So technically I don't earn all my own money from being Iona Lane musician, in quote marks again, all the time because I do work freelance for a record label, but I kind of still see it as fully self-employed, fully working in the industry and like, yeah, it's great. But I think that's fair to say because we've all got to pay the bills in what we do and finding something that will allow us to do that. But what you've actually done is turn it around and put it into something, just thinking campaign management. It must be great for you as a self-employed musician promoting yourself. You're probably learning lots by promoting other artists as well. Definitely, definitely. And it keeps it really fresh because every release is completely different, different sort of marketing plans and social media algorithms are like changing all the time so through working through other artists I'm sort of keeping up to date with a lot of that and also it's just it's great it's working with Hudson Records so Andy Bell who mainly runs Hudson Records he's the owner and he's a amazing producer and he produced my first album but yeah he like works and knows everyone he's one of those kind of people um very very handy to have that knowledge yeah it is and that's kind of important and that's super it's it's super useful and helpful to be working with a team of people and all everyone at Hudson Records all working in the scene and to be part of that team and to then sort of take knowledge from everyone involved and also working alongside loads of different artists Mm. who are working in the folk scene it's great it's just like massively widened my understanding of music and of releasing music but also widened my contacts and the people I know. Which should be very helpful. And I think it must be encouraging to a lot of people listening to think, actually, you know, you can, you need to do other things as well and you can do other things as well. Um, but it's the flexibility, particularly when you're on tour, you can't be stuck in a bakery, can you? Because if you're at the other side of the country, that must be quite hard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're letting somebody down, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it is a part-time job, but it's just informs me as a musician as well so heavily and particularly on the industry side of things which Mm. is something that if you're gonna be a musician you do have to have you know no one starts off straight away with a manager and agent and someone to tell them what to do so you have Mm. to navigate all that yourself and through working with Hudson Records I'm sort of building on that knowledge and that understanding of the industry great which then just feeds into how I conduct myself as a musician, if that makes sense. It, absolutely, yeah. It's uh, mutually um, complementary, I suppose. You yeah. Know, you're, you're learning all aspects of the business. Definitely. Yeah, very good. So what are your future plans? 
Future plans. Well, in November, um, myself and Katie Spencer, we're going off on tour um, for three weeks. So that's very near. That's happening very soon. And we're touring in the Netherlands, Germany and Denmark. So fantastic. that's going to be a lot of fun. That's kind of the first time um, touring on the continent for both of us. Great. Um, How many dates have you got? From the top of my head, I think it's 14 or 15 spread across three weeks so me and Katie are going to spend three weeks together which is going to be a real hoot um (laughs) we'll see if we uh survive and enjoy each of us company afterwards (laughs) I'm sure we will yeah listeners go and have a listen to Katie's episode I can't remember what it is but it was in the second series yeah um, like 16 or something like that but uh, it'd be a really good complimentary one yeah to listen to and Katie's amazing she's she's a really good friend of mine and just amazing musician and songwriter so yeah and then moving on from that I'm kind of working on album two that's the next thing um so I'm sort of in the process of writing material for that and the whole of that album is going to be inspired by different islands around the UK and I'm hoping to do a set of sort of different residencies on different islands and spend time in all these different places if I can find the time (laughs) um so yeah that's sort of that's sort of the the theme and the the concept and also sort of tying tying humans into those sort of really remote places and how do humans fit in in that that sort of landscape brilliant well i think you've given a fantastic overview of a young musician entering in the professional world trying to forge a career through you know early stages it's been it'd be a fascinating lesson to my audience oh here. i hope so so uh, thanks hope, very much for hope that. they're enjoying it <laughs> where can they, all our listeners find out more about you yeah, so my, my website is um, um or on all the social medias, I'm at Music. Um So yeah, if you like folky stuff or pictures of nice landscapes, <laughs> that's where you'll find me. <laughs> Fantastic. Got one last question I ask all of my guests, and that is, knowing what you know now, what one piece of advice would you have given that younger I don't know, GCSE music student of yourself? Yeah, I think just remember that no one is going to do the work for you. You need to put in the hard work and you need to make things happen and you need to, you know, go go out and find your work and go out and do the things that you enjoy and write the songs that you feel the need to write and don't necessarily rely on other people, which maybe isn't the most optimistic thing to end on, but I think, yeah... Just remember that you're your own boss and you make your work. So, yeah, go and do that. Iona Lane, thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. What particularly impressed me about Iona's approach is what I would call her quiet determination to succeed as a professional musician. As you may have gathered from the interview, she manages herself, books her own gigs, sorts out her own promotion, and is not afraid to seek advice from the best sources. It's clear that the folk world is a very inclusive and supportive environment in which to work. It was interesting to learn that, just like Boo Hewardine in the last episode, she thrives on deadlines and collaborations as the best drivers to be creative. If you haven't listened to my interview with Boo yet, go back and have a listen. Boo probably has around 30 years more industry experience than Iona, but shares the same creative challenges. Also, It was great to hear that very common influence in the vast majority of my interviews, teachers. I bet we can all think back to one or two teachers who've had a massive influence on what we do. Finally, I was particularly pleased to hear wonderful praise for help musicians, especially because I'm one of their mentors on the co-pilot scheme. 
There's a link to the charity in the show notes if you want to explore it further. My thanks go to Iona for her precious time and some great advice. Don't forget you can have a listen to her music in the Spotify playlist I've put together, again linked in the show notes. You'll also find a link there to her Bandcamp page, which is her online shop effectively. If you like what you hear of Iona's music, please do support her by buying some of her work. By doing that, you're helping her to keep her creative process going. If you've enjoyed this episode, please follow the series wherever you get your podcasts and do review the back catalogue if you're new to the series. You can leave feedback about the episode through social media by searching for Half Hour Mentor or just drop me a line via the email link in the show notes. I'd love to hear what you think about these episodes, so please do get in touch. That's it for this time. So until the next one, bye for now. Bye for now.